What is up, guys? Live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Nick Script P2W Fantasy live stream on a Saturday. I had some time, so I said, hey, what are your questions? I asked the fantasy community, give me some questions. A lot of them are dynasty questions. I love doing a mailbag episode because it gives uh, me a sense of what people are thinking about and wanting uh, to know. And a lot of times, if you listen to those sort of shows, you can also want to hear about uh, some of those topics and apply them to your own fantasy leagues. But we are nearing the end of March. Got tons of stuff to come in the offseason. We have had tons of offseason moves that have impacted fantasy. A lot of people are doing startups. I know I'm in a startup right now. Uh, should be a great show here today. Uh, I do want to make sure I always plug the Patreon. If you are not familiar with where to find it, it's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. TikTok, the link is there. Uh, you get access to the P2W Fantasy uh, Patreon Discord, which has tons of tabs. I'm putting content in there every single day. Uh, there's the P2W data set. There's profiles. There's a trading chat. Uh, I have rankings. There's just so much offered in one spot, five bucks a month. Uh, well worth your dollar. We're going to get this one kicked off here in a second, but stick with me. It's going to be a great episode. All right, all right. So we got the first question here at FFB Garage. If you had to choose which quarterback would you rather have on your roster in super flex leagues, meaning you can start two quarterbacks going into the 2023 season, who would it be Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? So I will say, I will say that I was very anti Trevor Lawrence after his rookie season. And I pivoted uh, a ton after this year, he was plus 29 in completions plus 472 in passing yards, plus 16 total touchdowns, minus nine interceptions plus 5.2 fantasy points per game. He took a huge jump from year one to year two, and they built uh, around him nothing like spectacular, but what he had in that system this past season with ETN, Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, was was good enough for him to take that jump, and it was reassuring for those that invested in him in Dynasty. Uh, he had to, uh, 10 top 12 finishes in 2022 versus only four in 2021. He was eighth overall for the quarterback position in fantasy, uh, 17.9 points per game. And now in comes Calvin Ridley, who I've always been a big fan of. So I, I do like Trevor Lawrence a lot, and this is not a homer take, but I, I would prefer Justin Fields in Dynasty and in 2023. Uh, he tied Lamar Jackson via P2W data with 66.67% of his games played at 50-plus rushing yards. Sixth overall fantasy finish with 20.5 points per game, which was the fifth highest. When we look at weeks five through 18 for Justin Fields, uh, when he was really heating up, the playbook was more geared towards him. He was doing great for fantasy. Only Mahomes and Hertz averaged more fantasy points than his 24.1 points per game during that span. Nine top 10 finishes, five top five finishes. And this was all with Equinemia St. Brown, Byron Pringle, Dante Pettis, Cole Komet. I mean, we had Darnell Mooney for a good chunk of games, but he didn't really do much this season. And, and, and Justin Fields had arguably the, the worst wide receiver core in the NFL in a shitty O-line. Like, those two things were very bad. Uh, were not in his favor, but he did great for fantasy. Obviously, a good chunk, if not most of it, was the rushing upside. But now we have a system that is trying to 
build their O-line. They've already made some moves there. They have draft capital. I would guess that they're going to use that first-round pick on an offensive lineman. And now we get DJ Moore, right? He, he has his alpha. So hopefully we have a healthy core of Darnell Mooney, Chase K uh, Claypool, Cole Komet, added a veteran in Robert Tunyon, and now DJ Moore. So we got a lethal rusher with an actual O-line potentially and an alpha wide receiver. He has uh, quarterback one overall upside, in my opinion. All right. And if you guys want to comment, you got to do it on, uh, like, got Toronto Dave. What's up, man? Uh, you got to do it on YouTube. Twitter does not let you do that still, which is like a major pain in the ass. That was super cool back then. Uh, at Triple A Fantasy, what would you give up to acquire Sam Darnold? So I'll, I'll do a very quick rant on this. Uh, a buddy of mine, John McGlynn, me and him have been going back and forth. I have Darnold. He wants him. Uh, you know, the, the thought pro process uh, here is the possibility that Trey Lance isn't at 100% week one. Darnold plays for the 49ers as their new Brock Purdy. He then has super flex value. Uh, would San Francisco ride with Darnold if he's winning games? You know, I, I'm not sure. Regardless, though, that is on the mind of the person who has Darnold on their team. Do you need to send a second or get crazy if you're trying to get him? You know, absolutely not. No, not in super flex leagues. Uh, does it have to be worth literally something, though, if you're trying to get him? Probably, right? Uh, it's going to be vague here, but if, if I had Darnold on my roster, I'm not selling him for nothing right now because if week one he is the starter, then if you have Sam Darnold, you can actually sell him for something because he holds actual super flex value. If you can flip him for something better at that time, then you would you know, be smarter to do it at that time. It's it's all speculative right now. Uh, on the buying end, you really got to gauge the the uh, the current manager, but everything is up in the air when it comes to him. If I had him, though, I'm chilling and I'm holding him because of that possibility week one he has some sort of um, – Super flex value because of, of actually playing. Uh, Commissioner Breeze on the P2W team. That's my guy right there. And we got Chris in the chat as well with his classic woo. I, I don't think I can do it as good as him. Not sure if it's like a Ric Flair one. Uh, metric Scout. That guy, Bruce. Uh, strategies with injured players. Think Javante, JK, and Breeze. So uh, when it comes to this, uh, you have to ask contenders versus rebuilders for me. Uh, does Javante start? Week one, does he miss a few weeks? Does he miss the entire season? Same with Brees Hall. Is, is he going to be good week one? Does he miss some time? Does he miss most of the season? Are they, you know, not getting a, a good chunk of the staffs because of injury? Patience is tough sometimes in Dynasty even. And you have to be careful blowing up assets. If I'm a contender and I can't afford to be patient and I find out news that one of these guys is going to miss extended time or be very limited, maybe I identify rebuilders and make an appropriate trade to bring in a somewhat, you know, somewhat of a veteran running back plus something, depending on you know who I'm selling. Uh, you know, Javante Williams versus Brees Hall, I think, are, are two young running backs with pretty good dynasty value right now. But I think there's a, a difference between Brees Hall and Javante Williams when it comes to where they get drafted and their actual costs in dynasty leagues. Um, if I have the flexibility due to depth, or I'm rebuilding and I can be patient in either one of those scenarios, I definitely target these. Guys, uh, Brees, you can argue, is a top three dynasty running back even after the ACL tear. Uh, the what have you done for me lately sometimes kicks in when it comes to, you know, values of players in dynasty leagues even. Uh, some people are concerned about the Javante injury. Some people are concerned about, you know, for J.K. Dobbins, the turmoil in Baltimore, not knowing what's going to be going on. So you just kind of have to feel out the, the current manager and, and feel, you know, what they're thinking. 
and identify the direction of their team. That's always important too when, when trying to make deals, uh, both selling and buying a dynasty. But uh, buying now while their health is in question is easier than if report comes out down you know the road here, hey, Brees Hall is ready to go week one. The, the price now versus then could be very different. Same with Javante Williams. We don't know what's going on with him, but right now there's a lot of people saying, man, that knee exploded. It was so bad. And then there's some people that say, you know, I, I, I could be patient. I really liked him when he was healthy. Two different things. But again, timing is key in Dynasty. So, you know, jumping on things now versus, you know, positive news later can mean two different things. Got my guy Jemo in there as well. Uh, Oof, I was struggling with patience big time. Need to work on that. I'm the same way. I'm the same way in, in Dynasty. I, I, I get very impatient and sometimes it leads to uh, to good decisions. Sometimes it leads to uh, rushed decisions. Uh, Justin Tech, what are you doing with Penny right now? Um, I, I, I think it really depends on the, the state of your team. If you are a contending team, you think you can make a run for it. I think Penny is somebody that you might want on your team and somebody that uh, might give you a boost if you can get like four or five weeks of you know the Rashad Penny we've seen at his elite level that might be worth it to, to win some matchups if you're a contending team if you're not really a contending team you're somewhere in the middle I think you can identify a, a, a contending team in your league and then shoot some offers because if Rashad Penny is healthy and on the field we've seen he does very good things it's just the being on the field part but Again, if you can get five weeks out of him being at the level we've seen in the Eagles offense, I think there is definitely some some good appeal to that. So I think you can, again, identify what direction your team is going. If I'm a rebuilding team, I don't really want Penny on my team. Um, there's also that chance, too, that they they do go in and, and grab a Bijan, but um, it, it's it's up in the year. Commissioner Breeze, patience is a virtue. I, I agree with that. I, I get too impatient. I think too much sometimes. Next question, uh, uh, at solid underscore Chad, contending with an eye in the future. Went to move off or tear down from older running backs like Barkley. Not that he's old, but he, you know his value is still high. And wide receivers like Cup, Adams, and Diggs. Interesting question, uh, strategy question here. Um, I guess for veteran running backs, you really have to, to time it the right way and ask yourself how much of a window is left. Look at the dynasty value decrease in guys like Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook through, I mean, in, in one year, I'm not going to say Leonard Fournette or Alvin Kamara, they were like top three running backs for dynasty or anything. But after one year, there's been a very clear difference in a negative way in their valuation. So the timing of moving off of those guys first moving off of them now, probably important to actually get a, a good flip for, for your assets. Uh, guys like Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, could they dip after this next season in their values? Sure, but maybe maybe you feel like they're safer bets. You know, they're they're big pass catching running backs that have had workhorse traits in the past. Maybe you feel safer about those guys versus again like a, a guy like Leonard Fournette, who who seemed to uh, you know be bouncing around a little bit and having some uh, work taken from him. Look at. Look at Rashad White, though, for example. Um, you know, we we might want to go younger, but we still have question marks about going younger. Like we know, again, I'll use Dalvin Cook as an example. We know what Dalvin Cook is. You know, he didn't have the phenomenal year, but we know what he is if he remains on the Vikings. Rashad White, we've seen some good things out of him, but we're, we're not exactly sure that he's going to, you know, be the running back one. He's going to have a workhorse role. We're not sure of those things, so it's risky. So you can actually, you know, 
kind of miss sometimes on getting younger for the running back position. For example, AJ Dillon. You know, what what if you before before this season you flipped a veteran running back, you know, Eckler or something for AJ Dillon plus because you're like, I want to get younger. Eckler had a phenomenal year. AJ Dillon, his dynasty value has dipped a lot. You know, whether you know you like to hear that or not. I mean, people had very high aspirations that there was a world maybe sooner than later that Aaron Jones was not on the Green Bay Packers. And for AJ Dillon, that's not the case. They're bringing uh, Aaron Jones back, and he's that guy. And AJ Dillon had a poor fantasy season, so that would have not been the best move. So it's it's risky when it comes to running backs in either sense, just because we're getting away from the the workhorse roles and we see more committees, and it, it, it's a gamble. I'm all uh, you know I'm all for the wide receiver position though, trading to get younger, especially if you think that uh, the veteran wide receivers still have value due to their name, like Devonte Adams. You say Devonte Adams, everybody knows Devonte Adams. He had a good season, he had a great season. Uh, he still holds great name value. Um, if if you think though that there is the chance that a young wide receiver uh, can find some consistency in his points per game and it's getting closer to that veteran, I would make the move sooner than later because you know we've seen what happened to to guys like Julio Jones. Top of the world, everything looks great. Now he's dropped everywhere in in, in leagues. You know, um, you might ask yourself, hey. I want to go, you know, get younger. How do I get from Devontae Adams to a Garrett Wilson or a Chris Alave? Uh, it, it's moves to consider making again before the Julio drop off. Not to say that you know a guy like Devontae Adams still won't have some some solid value this this next uh, season. Uh, I got a question in the chat. Chicago D chances of Ridley being a top eight receiver upon returning. Uh, don't have the numbers in front of me. I've always been a Calvin Ridley fan. I think Calvin Ridley is an elite talent. And and people will say to you all the time, like, well, he hasn't played, and they'll Google it since this date, which is X amount of days. People will say that all the time. If 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 you're an and I there there is there is a case to be made that not playing in an NFL level in NFL games for you know a long period of time can can take away from a player. But I think if if you played sports at a decent level, uh, you know that, you know you don't forget skill, right? Maybe you got to get back into the game speed. Maybe the game flows, playbooks, all that. But it's not like he forgot his skill. Like he's still going to be a very skillful wide receiver at the end of the day. He's still going to be a guy that is going to run his routes effectively and make big plays. It's just going to be the case now, you know, what? what's his target share in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence? We like Trevor Lawrence, right? I, I like Trevor Lawrence. He had a great season. Uh, that's a plus. Christian Kirk is going to get work. He had a, a great season. They paid him some good money. Evan Ingram is going to be factored in. What's Calvin Ridley's target share going to look like? I wouldn't go as far as a top eight wide receiver. Is he going to have weeks where he has top 12 weeks? I think that's definitely in the possibility. I'm, I'm on the fence of where I'm going to rank him for 2023. But if you were to say Calvin Ridley finishes this next season as the wide receiver 20, I don't, I don't think people would – you know, some people might be against that because of how you know, how long it's been, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I would say top eight, though, is is kind of pushing it just because there's so many wide receivers out there that can finish top eight. Like we can go through our list of rankings and, and check the box. Can this guy finish as a top 10 wide receiver? Is it possible? And there's so many guys that you would say yes for, right? Uh, fake Keanu asks, uh, Jordan Love versus Trey Lance. Who is the better floor or upside? Who is easier to acquire? 
It's a good question. Good question. Um, I just drafted Trey Lance in the fourth, the late fourth of a dynasty Superflex startup. I thought that that was a decent value. We are in round nine, and I doubt that uh, Jordan Love goes anytime soon. We still have Geno Smith, Mac Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford floating out there. I'm not saying he's above any of those guys or below them, whatever. I'm just saying that there's a decent amount of quarterbacks left, so I don't think anybody's like rushing to to grab all the remaining quarterbacks. Um, I personally didn't like either his prospects. I'm just being completely honest. I, I didn't like Jordan Love as a prospect. I didn't like Trey Lance as a prospect. I wasn't high on either one of those guys. But I will say, you know, we look at Jimmy Garoppolo. We look at Brock Purdy. Both were successful in 2022 as far as winning games, decent for fantasy, you know, making consistent plays. I'm not going to say it's just because of the system. I don't think, you know, that at the end of the day, you got to go out there, you got to make the plays. But when you have a great offensive line, you got a great playbook. You have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and uh, George Kittle that provide a lot after the catch. You just need to be competent as a quarterback, getting the ball into your playmaker's hands. So that plus the rushing upside that, you know, everybody pairs with Trey Lance is very fantasy appealing and would make him very fantasy relevant. Can he get the ball into his playmaker's hands who all provide a lot after the catch? And then can he also have that rushing upside? To me, that's a clear difference versus Jordan Love, who may or might, you know, may not be the, the Green Bay starter. Um, I guess you could say the same about Trey Lance week one. But if you look at what Jordan Love has in Green Bay and the weapons he has, like people love Christian Watson. You know, Romeo Dubs was stepping up. What else has he got going on there? Aaron Jones out of the backfield. His system and what he has versus what Trey Lance has, two very different things. Now, the prices are different. I, I said that when it came to the, the startup, you know, where Trey Lance went versus Jordan Love still floating out in the, the open for anybody to take him. Um, if I need, you know, depth at the quarterback position in a super flex league at a lower cost, I think Jordan Love is, is a decent gamble. If I want to take a gamble for fantasy upside, it would be Trey Lance. So two uh, two different scenarios when it comes to that. All right. Somebody asked Alvin Kamara thoughts. Actually, I'm going to get to Alvin Kamara on this podcast here. Uh, Chris asks, any thoughts on teams that are barely changing, like the Vikings versus teams that are completely changing Panthers for fantasy purposes? Do they put any weight on team consistencies for fantasy football players? Uh, I mean, we can just look at those systems in in in. in pick and choose what we want, you know, for fantasy and that. We know what Justin Jefferson is. He is the wide receiver one for Dynasty for me. Tier one, him and Chase, tier one. We know what Justin Jefferson is. We know uh, what TJ Hawkinson looks like in Minnesota. You know, uh, we're we're looking at a team now that has moved on from Adam Thielen, but TJ Hawkinson was above Adam Thielen in target share since he started um, – in Minnesota, uh, great, great dynasty implications for TJ Hawkinson. Uh, a team like the Panthers is more speculative, right? You, you got you got guys that are more sleepers on that team. So you got a team, we know what Justin Jefferson is, uh, elite wide receiver. We know what TJ Hawkinson is, elite tight end. Kirk Cousins had a great season. He's tied to those two guys. So, you know, he, he's probably somewhere you'd rank top 12, top 14, right? Dalvin Cook, big question marks. We're not sure if he's still going to be there next season. But for the Panthers, you're going to have a rookie quarterback, right? Or, or Andy Dalton for like three games or something like that. Uh, DJ Shark, maybe a sleeper. 
can Adam Thielen be be healthy and and have a little bit better of a resurgence in his fantasy stock? Maybe, you know, it's more of like some question marks that will be question marks for everybody in fantasy, which creates a sleeper narrative. Like DJ Chark, I think he has good receiving yard upside. We saw it in Detroit uh, in his healthy games a couple times. We know what he did like in 2019 or whatever his big season was. More of a sleeper versus like, well, you got to pay for the guys that are in non-changing solidified scenarios. I I hope that kind of answers that question. Uh, Next, we got... If you can get a uh, this is at Supernova thirty eight. If you can get a late first for Pittman at this point, do you take it or just wait uh, out the new quarterback situation? This is interesting. This is a really interesting one because um, when it came to to Pittman, he was a guy that I, I really liked. Um, he was a guy that I ranked fairly high. I think he took a dip in dynasty though. I think uh, redraft I was spicy. I think I might have had him like wide receiver thirteen or fourteen. Um, Obviously, he was not Matt Ryan's new Julio Jones, you know, that some people spun a narrative of. Uh, 13.5 fantasy points per game was lower than over 20 other wide receivers this year. I get the situation sucked, and I I get that that they can fill the quarterback need via the draft, but there's big question marks. He was top 12 in targets and receptions. Uh, Receiving yards and touchdowns, though, those categories were, were poor. Can he continue to earn targets? Absolutely. Is his target? competition pretty mediocre right now I'd say yes Uh, a late first really doesn't move the needle though for me I I think I'd I'd try to pair him with something small for an earlier first if I can make that move Um, he still should be the Colts alpha wide receiver if they are able to make a good move at quarterback that late first round pick you know picking a guy that again I you know I'm, I'm I'm comfortable with with the early rounds of the the first four rookie drafts right now, but later it's very murky. If you do a rookie mock draft, the the end of the first round in one quarterback and super flex leagues don't seem to be very consistent. So you're really just like throwing you know darts at that point. Whereas you know we know that Pittman should still be the Colts alpha wide receiver. Plus, let's say you know the Colts make a really good move at quarterback, and now we we we're looking at you know. I, whatever they do, a, a much better situation tomorrow than today at quarterback. Now Pittman's dynasty price goes up and you're like, ah, shit, I, sh- I, I, I shouldn't have sold him for the 112. You know, I should have waited. Now he's worth the 18. I, I don't know, something like that. So I'm fine moving on from him. But I, I think that I think that there's a chance that his stock goes up later versus what it actually is right now. There's a there's a discrepancy in in you know, what it is versus what it actually could be. Uh, Coach Craig Sport, would you rather have a 2023 first or a 2024 first? A lot of people will argue with me on this, but hear me out. People will say, you know, that 2024 first, it could be Marvin Harrison Jr. Just like they said last year, it could be Bijan. It could be JSN. I would say... If you are if you are on the fence of come your rookie draft day, you're on the fence. I don't know, you know. I'm at the 110. I'm at the 111. Somebody really wants to draft. I am not super comfortable with the person that I'm going to draft here. And I think on that rookie draft day, everybody wants to draft. Maybe you're with your buddies. We, you know, for my rookie drafts, we get with buddies. We have some beers. People want to draft people want to draft they don't want to sit there and watch you draft so 
some people draft strictly online, so maybe it's different. But even online, people are eager to like be part of something. I bet you if you get to that point where you're not sure who to take, you can ask for a 2024 first plus. And now you're taking a chance. Can you sell your 111 for a random 2024 and it turns into be a top three pick? Because people will say a projected early first for 2024 is if somebody's team can't blow up in a year, they make bad decisions, they make bad trades, they have injuries and in, or I'm sorry, that's the reverse. If, let, let's say you have a person in your league that you think it's going to be a late first, that 2024 is going to be a late first. And then they have injuries, they make bad decisions, um, they blow up their roster. You know, what you thought versus what actually happened could be two different things. Or it could be the flip side. Let's say it's a projected late first. No, I'm sorry. It's a projected early first because this team is bad, right? Let's say it's a team in your league. You're like, oh, they're going to suck this year. That 2024 first is going to be early. And then out of nowhere, all their sleeper guys on their bench are like hitting. You know, they 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 find all these diamonds. They're Jarek McKinnons and like random guys that are like balling out for no reason. I think people too often think that they can see into the future for future picks when it ends up being completely different than what you think. But back to my point, if you take that late first round pick, I bet you on draft day, you can, you can say, hey, somebody wants to send me a 2024 first right now. I'll take it. And then maybe you take it. I just know that things you can use sooner than later sometimes hold more value. So if you are at that point where you don't really like who you're going to take and you want to get a 2024 first because you want to take that that chance at a Marvin Harrison or one of the other prospects, Caleb Williams, out of that class, maybe you do it. But I wouldn't say like now is the time to, to do it because you just think that 2024 class is better. I think it's just more of of what pick you have how you're addressing your team and building your team and what you can turn it into. If that makes sense on my, my rant. And if not, then we just got to fucking move on here. Uh, ADN 802. If Brees Hall can get back uh, to the dominance, he showed the potential of having before injury last year, who are you taking for the better career, him or Bijan? Running back one from last year, running back one from this year. So uh, Brees Hall, Rookie season, 16.4 points per game, averaged. After two weeks, he was playing more and more of the snaps. He was in the high 60s for snap percentage, weeks four through six. He had a 97-yard rushing game, 116-yard rushing game. He had two games of six catches, five total touchdowns in seven games. I mean, he, he was balling out, and then unfortunately had the the, the injury. Uh, B. John Robinson, he averaged 157.83 yards per game this past year. Uh do it all generational talent. You know, we're not sure where Bijan lands. Is it possible it's somewhere we hate? Sure. I mean, that can definitely happen. I think, you know, everybody wants him to land somewhere where he's going to get 25 touches a game, but is there a chance that he lands somewhere that he is splitting a lot of work with, even if he is better than the other guy? There's a chance there. But we also have one guy in Brees Hall recovering from an ACL tear, and, and Bijan is healthy. Uh, I think both can be argued as top three dynasty running backs. We've already seen Brees Hall perform at a very good level in the NFL. I think this is a good question post-draft, just in all honesty. I, I, I might say from a talent perspective, if you're just basing this off of talent, you might go B. John Robinson. But I also think, you know, we can answer these questions post-draft. And I also can say cop out. Both, both of these guys might be top three dynasty running backs ranked. At the Dunnit 13, what is DJ Moore's realistic upside this season? Oh, man, I went 
fucking crazy when this happened. I'm a Bears fan. I have like DJ Moore merchandise in my room right now. I love DJ Moore. This was like Christmas when this happened, this trade. Uh, DJ Moore, five seasons, three with over 1,100 receiving yards, four seasons with 118-plus yards, career high, seven touchdowns this past season, two finishes inside the top 20. So I think he's a great talent. I think he's done great things situationally with his numbers, but he's never had like a top 10 finish. Uh, top 12 in target share in back-to-back -back seasons. His receiving yard upside, it's evident he earns targets every single year. People knock Justin Fields as a passer, but to me, his profile out of Ohio State, I do think he's a good passer. And I talked about him earlier. The receiving core was the worst in the NFL. The O-line was bad. I believe in Justin Fields as a passer. He makes plays. Best quarterback DJ Moore is going to have in his NFL career versus what he's had in the past. I do believe that DJ Moore has top 12 upside. I think that the hype is there with him having, again, the best quarterback he, he's ever had um, in a new home as an alpha for Chicago. The upside is there in the receiving yard department. He earns targets everywhere. He's going to earn a lot of targets in Chicago. People will knock the uh, the passing numbers, but again, like put two and two together, bad wide receivers, bad O-line. They didn't pass the ball more. Put two and two together. They had so many one-score games that they didn't really need to force the pass. Um, so I, I do believe that he has a uh, top 12 upside. Um, and he's going to have a lot of splash weeks in Chicago, DJ Moore to the moon. I, I, I agree with you, man. And I'm very, very happy as a Chicago fan and a DJ Moore fan that this move happened. This is an interesting question. Next. Uh, I was like tweeting out about it. My guy, Jemmo, the icon who has a better fantasy season in 2023. I'm assuming, uh, David Montgomery. So Monty or, or Deonta Foreman. So, uh, interesting question. Uh, new homes, you know, Monty's in Detroit to pair up with DeAndre Swift. Foreman is in Chicago to pair up with Khalil Herbert. Foreman has had eight games over 100 rushing yards the last two seasons, which is crazy because he's played over 50% of the snaps in just six. So again, eight games over 100 yards rushing. He's only played above 50% of the snaps in six. This was last season you know, filling in for Christian McCaffrey in Carolina. The year prior, he was filling in for Derrick Henry in Tennessee. Only three games with over 100 yards rushing for Montgomery, though, in the same span in the last two seasons. I do think DeAndre Swift limits Montgomery due to the pass catching, and I low-key, people don't want to hear it, you know, low-key, I still think DeAndre Swift is a better talent than David Montgomery. But um, I, I do think David Montgomery is going to touch the ball plenty. Uh, Foreman, I think, earns the early down and maybe goal line touches in Chicago. But he's also competing with not only Khalil Herbert for rushing attempts, but also Justin Fields. Detroit actually has a really nice O-line. Uh, I don't think that gets credited enough. They have a really nice O-line. There's a clear difference between that and what Chicago has. Chicago is building that offensive line, but there's a difference there. Uh, we also saw the amount of red zone touches and total touchdowns Jamal Williams had in 2022. So because of those factors, I will lean David Montgomery, but I will also say that um, I will also say that Foreman, I think, is being a bit slept on because I think everybody wants Khalil Herbert to be the guy, and I think they both will get a bunch of touches, but I, I actually think Foreman is going to get the early down work. And Commissioner Breeze says, it helps that Monty won't be playing with a mobile quarterback. I think that's that's a that's a difference as well, especially when it comes to total team rushing attempts and the difference that can be there. 
All right. What we got next year? We got a lot of good questions, man. That's why I, I love to sit on the stream talking. I take too many notes sometimes, but it's all, all here now. Key trade cut in PPR dynasty. Uh, T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, and Garrett Wilson. So let's say we're not going to cut anybody. Let's say we're, we're going to keep one and trade two. I would, I would, this is going to be spicy. I think out of these three wide receivers, the most hyped of the three right now is Garrett Wilson. And it's justified seeing what he did this last season. Also with the soon to be, hopefully soon to be upgraded quarterback and Aaron Rodgers uh, in New York. But um, I think some people have gotten a little too spicy with Garrett Wilson. I've seen him ranked as the wide receiver three, the wide receiver five in dynasty by different people and rank how you want to. Everybody's rankings in dynasty will be different. Everybody values things differently in dynasty. And, and I'm all for people having differences of uh, opinions. Nothing is black and white, but I think, you know, if somebody's going to say Garrett Wilson's a top five wide receiver for dynasty, could he be that? Sure. Absolutely. But it's, it's very high. It's very high. So can you, can you take, can you sell Garrett Wilson for Devonta Smith or maybe T Higgins plus, I, I think, you might be able to do that. I would say the minute that Aaron Rodgers lands in New York and they they finalize that deal, I think you definitely can can say, hey, I need Devonta Smith plus something decent for Garrett Garrett Wilson. Who a uh, Garrett Wilson I have above both of these guys in Dynasty. But because of that difference, I think you can fill and address your team needs a bit better. So I would sell Garrett Wilson. I would also sell T Higgins. I think T Higgins is a great dynasty asset. I think he is uh, in the same tier as Devonta Smith um, right at the, the edge of like being like top. I forget where I had him in dynasty, but I, I, I think T Higgins is attached to Joe Burrow. That's phenomenal. I think T Higgins makes some huge plays. I think that the, the gap between him and chase sometimes is, is wider than maybe it is when, it, when we look at like target share and targets and, and some of the, you know, receiving yard upside. But I also think that, you know, he's not the alpha, just like Devon Smith's not the alpha. But I think there's a clear difference in cost and name value when it comes to T. Higgins versus Devonta Smith. And I think I have Devonta Smith and T. Higgins at the same tier. So if the perception in the market value says T. Higgins and Devonta Smith have a clear price difference, but for me, they're in the same dynasty tier, then I would keep Devonta Smith because I can flip T. Higgins for more of a value than I can for uh, Devonta Smith. If that makes sense, that's like ranking. That's like everybody perceiving red and blue to be very different in dynasty, even though they're in the same tier. It's a shitty analogy, but I hope, I hope I'm painting the picture of what, what I'm saying is, is if most people see there's a good gap between Higgins and Devonta Smith, but I see them in the same tier then I would keep Devonta Smith and, and flip Higgins for that difference of perceived value. But that's a good question there. Uh, at the real Hambus, how do you value Alvin Kamara? New quarterback and potential legal situation seems like a challenging evaluation. I, I agree. I agree. It's a very, very tough one to address. Uh, after five straight seasons as a top nine running back for fantasy, he is outside the top 15 this past season. Overall, uh, he's had four seasons over 80 receptions. He hasn't done that the last two. Uh, that is where the value is coming from, though, is that th those seasons of 80 Catches just like unbelievable numbers for Alvin Kamara. You know, that's like a PPR gold back then. Um, is he going to get the receiving work we like with Derek Carr in town, but also like Chris Olave and Michael Thomas? 
I don't know. You know, I don't know. You got a 27-year-old veteran who just had his worst season for fantasy. Now likely is going to be suspended and in legal trouble. So if I'm a contender, can you shoot something pretty low ballsy and, and take the chance? Maybe. Otherwise, I, I've been fading Kamara more than I ever have, just in, in all honesty. K English DS thoughts on Hendon, uh, Hendon uh, Hooker, including where he should go in Superflex rookie drafts. Thanks. Uh, so, Hooker, incoming quarterback out of this uh, 2023 draft class out of Tennessee, 31 touchdowns and three interceptions in 2021, 27 touchdowns to two interceptions in 2022. So, he's got a massive difference in what he's doing, scoring versus turning over the ball. He did have 616 rushing yards in 2021, so he does have the rushing upside. Uh, but in 2022, big passing numbers, 3,135 passing yards. The numbers are pretty sexy. Uh, I know he's had a big injury, and there's concern there. I think he ends up being a decent super flex stash at the end of the day as a backup with potential for upside in fantasy if he should step on the field. I made these graphics the other day. It was uh, Hooker versus Will Levis from Kentucky. I'm like, which one do you want? And a lot of people... Uh, weeks and weeks ago, we're very, you know, into to Will Levis. Uh, the NFL, I think, is pretty into Will Levis. I would assume that there's a, a clear difference in draft capital between Levis and Hooker. I think Levis will go earlier. But I think Hooker might, might be in Superflex leagues. That guy you just want on your, your bench because should he get an opportunity and should he be 100% healthy, I think there there, there might be some sneaky upside to him. But a lot of people were, were very boisterous on, on uh, Hooker. Commissioner Breeze says, Lions, please get Hooker. There you go. There you go. I think he's going to be a good super flex backup to have. I, I, I really do think that there's a chance for that. Obviously, it depends where. You know, if it's Kansas City, then it would have to take an injury. Uh, next, at Justin underscore tech, have you ever participated in expand? Uh, let me go back. I talk too fast sometimes. Have you ever participated in expansion in a dynasty league? Good idea, bad idea, any right way. So if this means adding more teams, to me, that would be extremely hard to do. I'm not entirely sure how you would go about, like, let's say you're in a 12-team league, you want to add two more. Then those two teams, I would assume, would have to have their own sort of draft of the free agents, but then you have to figure out the draft picks. I think it overcomplicates leagues, in all honesty. Maybe you got a great league, you want to add two more teams. I think, you know, you might have to like do something along the lines of cutting down rosters of the other teams so that there's more of a free agency pool and then like drafting or something like that. Um, if you're saying, you know, expansion as in like adding roster spots to the teams already in your dynasty league, that to me is is something very easy to do. Um, what, what I would do in the off season is, hey, if you're like, hey, let's add five more roster spots. That would mean adding more people from the waiver wire. So what you would do, I would think, is let's say you let's say you have free agent bidding money. So fake money for fantasy that you can use to bid on uh, people on the waiver wire, right? So for example, not to get into this too deep, but let's say Khalil Herbert was on the waiver wire at one point. I want him. You want him. I bid my fake money out of my $100. I bid $7. You bid $14. you are getting them. You bid $14. I keep my $7. You lose your $14. So if you were to expand rosters, I would say if you usually have $100 to bid on during the year, I would uh, increase it to $200 for the offseason, so $100 for the offseason. 
and then make it a bidding poll. Like, hey, you can fill your roster, but everybody's got a bid on what's remaining on that waiver wire. So, uh, again, expansion, not sure which route we're going here. If it's adding more teams, very, very complicated to do. I, I would just suggest maybe adding a different league, you know, uh, in, in, in going that route. Um, otherwise, you're, you're really going to have to just cut down rosters, create more of a, a pool of players for those guys to actually have a team. Um, draft picks, not sure how that would work, but it's easy if you just say you, you want to expand the rosters. If you've got 12 teams, you want to expand the bench spots, add some more money that people can bid with, and then it could be a bidding war on whatever's left on the, 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 uh, the waiver wire, which is something people do, so that's nothing crazy. Um, all right. I was trying to see if we had, uh, another comment in there. Got a couple more, uh, at Craig Zep, Zeplentino, Zeplentino, Craig Zeplentino. Sounds like an Italian name to me. Uh, Chris Olave or Jamo Williams, especially with Chark leaving in parentheses in dynasty. So the difference here is they cost two different things in dynasty. If you do a startup, uh, Olave and Jameson Williams, both out of the same class, they cost two different things. Both were first-round draft picks, right? Both had good college profiles, um, very different wide receivers, uh, but uh, different in in specific ways. But Chris Olave, he showed us a lot of things. Chris Olave, you were able to use during this past fantasy season. Chris Olave just got a new quarterback. Like, there's a lot of things around Chris Olave that separates his price in Dynasty versus Jameson Williams price. So it comes down to how much of a difference is there in dynasty between the two wide receivers. If you think that they are closer to one another in dynasty than further, but the price is different, then that means if you had Chris Olave, you would be able to say, hey, I want Jameson Williams plus something else decent for Chris Olave, which I think you can do. Um, for me, if I'm just saying in general, like rankings, who do you have ranked higher? It's Chris Olave for me, uh, just because again we we've seen we've seen a lot out of him his rookie season. Could Michael Thomas be healthy and take a lot of the targets? Sure, but he's also a very aging wide receiver. Whereas we look at Detroit and Amon Ross St. Brown, that's the alpha there. You know he he's going to command the highest of the target share. I think Jameson Williams is he going to have huge fantasy upside? I I definitely think he will. I think he's going to have. Um, that big playability that we saw in college, I think he just has unbelievable speed. He's going to be a great asset. Uh, but again, you have the Amon Ross St. Brown factor. Maybe, you know, we, we have the uh, um, the proof of what one guy's done in the NFL versus, versus the other guy. Uh, and also, like, the, the cost is very different between the two right now. So I uh, got – you like Akers moving forward, Nate asks. Um, I don't have any – I don't have any notes on Cam Akers or anything like that in front of me right now, uh, but off the top of the dome, I would say that Cam Akers had all that turmoil and, um, you know, the good chunk of the year was very poor for him. Then at the end of the season, he started getting a lot of work. He was scoring well for fantasy. He was having some good rushing days. I wasn't really big on him coming out of, uh, of college and, in all honesty, I think that he was overvalued in Dynasty for far too long, and now now we rank him much lower than a lot of people had him before. Um, I think uh, I think the Rams are really all over the place right now. 
Um, Kyron Williams, I don't see him as like a threat to be the running back one right now. I think he is, you know, a guy that can catch some passes. Um, still, I'm still not super comfortable like being all in on Cam Akers though. I think we've seen like small windows of Cam Akers, but I've also think we've seen a lot of question marks in overvaluation of Cam Akers. So uh, if he's the running back one, then he probably is a guy that's not going to cost a lot to have him on your team right now. But I'll also, I wouldn't be surprised if if they they did add to that room and have somebody else getting a chunk of that work. Uh, at Thomas Chikani, uh, who are some good mid-tier wide receivers and running backs to target this offseason in two quarterback dynasties? So I do buys and sells all the time in the Patreon. I do it uh, videos on TikTok that I put on Twitter. I do buys and sells. Um, fairly often on the podcast. So I won't go into detail, but I'm just going to list list some guys that come to mind that are, uh, you know, not the, the elite of the elites, but might um, be, be worthwhile in Dynasty. So I, I love Jahan Dotson. Uh, I love them as a, a prospect. I thought he went, uh, I think he was being slept on in rookie drafts big time. He had some touchdown upside this past season. He had some really nice fantasy weeks, went healthy. Rashad Bateman, is he the wide receiver one in Baltimore as of right now? Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, they did go get Nelson Aguilar, which I made a funny video about. But Rashad Bateman, price is small because we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Is it Lamar Jackson? Um, he also hasn't done anything for us lately because he was, you know, banged up. Uh, so that price is not great. But, uh, again, could he could he be the wide receiver – or will he be the wide receiver one moving forward in Baltimore as of right now? Yeah. Uh, Elijah Moore, I still have so much faith in. Um, I'm a big stan, you know, what he did his final season at Ole Miss, unbelievable. You know, the, the, the massive scoring weeks with different Jets quarterbacks, his rookie season. Now he's attached to Deshaun Watson as the wide receiver two, I think over Donovan Peoples Jones behind Amari Cooper. I think, um, I think we're going to see a glimpse of what we saw that rookie season. If I'm a contender, Calvin Ridley, just based off the history, based off of Trevor Lawrence, taking a step forward, uh, based off the question marks of, you know, him missing time. Contender Brandon Cooks, just based off a resume and doing, you know, great things in the receiving yard and fantasy department in many different homes uh, through time. Um, if I'm a contender, uh, Antonio Gibson, I, 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 I'm not a big Gibson guy, but I also think that he's going very low in like startups and his cost is not great. Uh, could he be like, uh, be enemies, you know, Jarek McKinnon in Washington? I don't know. I I really don't think Brian Robinson, I think Brian Robinson is going to get plenty of work because Rivera loves him, but I also don't think he's like, this phenomenal talent that's going to, you know, take away all the work. So I, I, I still have some faith in Gibson, especially just seeing he had some really nice weeks this, this past season. He's had a, a great uh, fantasy career since he's been in the league contender, like really hard dark throw. You know, the offense looks decent with Carr and Alave and Michael Thomas. And, you know, they brought back Juwan Johnson and Alvin Kamara might be suspended. Can Jamal Williams be, you know, a guy that has touchdown upside again? Maybe Rashad White, it's a gamble. Do they add another running back to the system? You know, I, I think they will. Um, who that is, is it is it Bijan? Is it down to, you know, somebody floating out there? Kareem Hunt, I, I don't know. Um, but I think he's a, a young running back that we saw some uh, receiving upside uh, his rookie season with. They got rid of Leonard Fournette. Miles Sanders, I think, had a, you know, a career year in rushing. Um, could he get back Miles Sanders to being a guy that catches passes? I don't know, but that would be super cool for fantasy, wouldn't it? So just a little rant there on some guys. At BSHAP3, fantasy, rank these three and why. Pacheco, Algier, James Cook. So I will say this about James Cook. I, I think James Cook is in 
the best uh, – I'm not going to even say that. I would say that James Cook had a chance to beat out Devin Singletary for significant touches this past season, and he didn't. To me, that's slightly concerning. Do I still think James Cook has dynasty potential in one of the best offenses in the league? Yes, I do. Is he a guy that has some PPR upside as a pass-catching running back? Yes, but you couldn't beat out Devin Singletary, right? To be, you know, more of a more consistently, you know, worked in that offense. And Damian Harris is going to take a lot of the goal line work, and he's going to take some early down work. And I think, you know, I've never been a huge Damian Harris guy, but I, I also think that Damian Harris is going to get plenty of touches in Buffalo. Algier. I think Algier is the running back one right now for the Falcons. I think Patterson, they're going to eventually move on from Patterson because they are they have a younger roster with right now with Ritter and Drake London and Kyle Pitts and Tyler Algier. I think they're trying to form uh, a younger roster. Um, so Algier, it's not like you know he, Patterson's going to be gone. He's going to be this big pass-catching running back. No, but he did go off for a while uh, in, in fantasy. Um, when he was getting the touches, there was a point where Atlanta flipped it. They weren't competing anymore, and they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let the let the young guys get to work. Let Desmond Ritter throw the ball. Let Drake London um, be a, a main emphasis of this offense. You saw that in his targets uh, for a while from Ritter, and they gave all the work to Algier for the most part. So that's encouraging. Can Atlanta add somebody in the draft, though? I, I think they can. Uh, are they completely sold on Tyler Algier? TBD. We're not sure. Um, and then Pacheco, just phenomenal year uh, based off of, you know, where uh, uh, the method that they got him, you know, no CEH. Uh, he was just taking, you know, I mean, CEH is there. Is he going to get traded? I don't know. But Pacheco did a lot of great things for Kansas City. The thing is with Kansas City, though, is they typically have more than one running back getting work. CEH, can he come back? Can they, can, you know, hang on to that sunk cost fallacy of that, you know, first round pick? And, and really still try to get him involved. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that in Kansas City, it seems like they always have a couple guys getting work. And I, I don't know if, you know, Pacheco is going to be this workhorse, even though McKinnon's gone. I think as of right now, I would I would say Algier, Pacheco, James Cook. But it's a very good question because if anybody said, no, absolutely not, you're fucking dumb for saying that. It's Cook, Pacheco, Algier. I'd be like, fine. You know, I don't, I'm not like very firm bullish on, on this thing, but I, I I think that's the route I go. Algier, Pacheco, James Cook, because I think if we look at the three guys, the guy with the highest potential to earn the job and the most touches, I think it might be Algier. You can say Pacheco, you know, was that guy for Kansas City and they just won a Super Bowl. You can't say that, but man, I think those two both have a, a decent shot. All right, I'm off that. Uh, at Board on toilet. Who are some late round rookie sleepers that you aren't seeing people talk about much? Uh, I just got one guy that I did a write up on. You know, I I I have been diving into the class and producing some content, uh, mostly just profiles and then making videos of those profiles, but not as extensive as some other guys in the industry do. And I'll never fake that. Um, but go check out like my buddy Kevin. Go check out uh, the Devi Royale. Like those are people I trust who do stuff like this. JJ Zacharyson, obviously one of the biggest in the industry. That's a great source there. But, uh, you know, Raji Rice uh, out of SMU, 6'1", 204, 96 receptions, 1,355 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns this past season. Uh, he had nine touchdowns the year prior. So 
able to score consistently got better every year through his, his college career size, length and speed, that combination, you know, it gives him a plus catch radius. I think, I think Raji Rice is, is fairly interesting in a guy that, you know, it's going to come down to where does he go in drafts in the NFL draft? Uh, what round is he and and where does he land? Because if he goes later than we want in, in a spot that has a crowded depth chart, then we're like, uh, not super interested. So, um, there's, there's plenty of guys that are, are, are in that category of like, oh, they're like, uh, right now in rookie mocks they're in like the third round or something like that. They're a sleeper, but I know people don't like to say it. They say talent over this and that, but some of these late round guys, you, you really got to figure out where they land, but that'll do it for today's mailbag episode. If you lasted all the way here, power to you. Uh, I don't know how annoying the voice can be uh, almost 60 minutes in of just rambling and talking. Really appreciate everybody who submitted a question to this episode. Love doing that just so, again, I can gauge what people are thinking about and try to help people out with their questions. Um, last time I'll say it, P2W Fantasy Patreon. If you consistently consume this podcast or my content, which maybe there's a group of people that do, I bust my ass nonstop to – produce many different forms of content, you know, infographics, player profiles, short videos, podcasts like this, long videos, um, YouTube, like, I don't know, written material. Like I try to do everything. It's all in one spot. It's all in one spot and more with P2W data, which is 30 plus tabs of a spreadsheet of stuff I hand calculated through Excel. Uh, also, um, you know, there, there's different perks in there that you'll see once you're in that Patreon uh, Discord. But it's it's five bucks a month. Uh, it shows support for the brand, for me as a creator, and you get a lot out of it. I promise the link is in my bio. Uh, really lo love to see new people in there. I've had an influx of people the last two weeks, and it's a true community. You know, we're plugging content. We're asking questions. We're talking in there. It's a, it's a good spot to be, five bucks a month. If you play to win. If you don't, don't fucking jump in there. But, uh, again, thank you guys for, for jumping in. My guy, Commission. Breeze says, great mailbag show. Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate the P2W team and everybody that interacts with my content. Have a good weekend, guys.